This is the XOR. How old were you when you left Latvia? 18. Really? Yes. Okay, that's quite old actually. So you did your entire uh, my high, entire high school degree. high school education Latvia. Then yeah. you went to Finland. Yeah, Finland for three years. Two, t- like three years. But through these three years, I've also went for half a year to Glasgow. Yeah, and Scotland. Yeah. And then uh, then went back, and then I started to study in graduate. Uh, start, yeah, start to work. And then you started working in London. Very quickly, occasionally. That's one one of the shocking things for me. I was told many times in uni, like, oh, it will take like months and months for you to find first job. Yeah, it will be painful, but as soon as you're basically started, it will be easier then. I was scared. I was saving lots of money to, because I thought like London is expensive city, like it is expensive city and I need to hold up some money to allow myself for multiples of months not to work. I found work on the second day. <laughs> I'm super talented. Dude, well, you know, that wasn't my experience. And you you just had a bachelor's, right? Yes. So, oh, yeah, well. I'm not that educated. You're fucking but smart. But I'm fucking though. smart. <laughs> smart and lucky, I guess, for you getting a job True. that quickly. Lucky, so I believe. I think, do, you, do you think it had an effect on you that you uh, stayed quite late? Because, I mean, I left uh, Russia at 12. Like, I know some people who live here since they were five. Like, Russians has lived here since they were five. And. I mean, they're British. I mean, actually, no, I wouldn't say they're British. They're just very mixed. Uh, but like you, you've already formed. You went through puberty <laughs> in Latvia, right? Yeah. So like all your um, um, like social interactions were Latvian. So do you do you think? Um, I believe uh, it's the question of where basically I arrived when I moved to Finland. Because basically, yeah, I was living in Latvian society. And then I've moved to a new country. I would say that's a good thing that basically both of Latvia and uh, Finland is both kind of Nordic countries. Did I you feel s- like a culture shock? Like, did you? Uh, I went crying when basically I've just uh, sit in a bus and I've realized, fuck, I'm leaving Latvia and I'm going to somewhere. <laughs> did you actually cry? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, yeah. But I mean, you moved to, uh, I guess, Finland and Latvia wouldn't be that different, but maybe... Uh, Finland and Scotland would be quite different culturally. For Finland and Scotland was fucking different because after studying basically for two years in Finland when you see people standing on a red light and see like one kilometer one way, kill one kilometer another way no cars, they just standing here right, red light, I'm fine, I will be standing here waiting for green and then they just start to cross and when I moved to Glasgow I was basically placed here's campus and here's uni and there was only crossroad, it's only on two opposite sides and uh, I thought like fuck, how can I get to other side and I've seen policemen just crossing the road in the middle of the is it okay? <laughs> I've uh, crossed the road after again and I asked like, is it okay? Like, yeah, yeah, no worries. That's how we do here. And I was like, ooh, that's two very different aspects like how people basically culturally live Well, there. Finland actually, Finland and Scotland like twin cities. One, but they're both miserable. And What do you mean by miserable? Miserable. Come on. I don't understand. Scotland is very... Oh, the word miserable? No, like, uh, can you explain what do you mean by miserable? Oh, come on. You know, like Sad? all the... Yeah, sad. Gray? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think In Finland, uh, by statistic, I might be lying, but I can I'm reminding you I'm 100% true like source of facts. truth. 100% facts from Sergey. Uh, in, in through the February, you can have in st- in average one day when you can see sun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no no, probably in Scotland too. I think that's what I mean by they're both miserable. Like they're probably I I I didn't feel that too bad because I was living in Latvia. We don't have a, like very good good climate. And when I've moved to here, that's where basically I've started to feel like, "Oh, I I'm, I'm comfortable in in UK." And uh, in Finland, uh, it was much better. And when I even moved to Finland, I felt it's better than in Latvia. And I believe it's also a matter of the climate because uh, in Latvia, we always have a temperature which basically moves in between of uh, 5 degrees and minus 5 degrees. As a result, you have wet snow everywhere, cars going next to it, it's black, it's everywhere, it's horrible. But in Finland, as soon as winter comes, it's minus 10 standard. You just wear warm clothes all the winter for if five months. If it's cold all the time, then it's, yeah. at least it's stable, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's why I've enjoyed it. It's like, and the na- nature there, I've really enjoyed Finland. And... I really advise any everyone who don't know where to go for studying. Finland is really good direction. 
back in 2014. I don't know how it's there now. <laughs> This is the XOR. So, uh, you've sang a lot of praise of Finnish education. Uh, why do you think that's the case? And like, explain what you mean, because I actually, I only have one friend from Imperial who actually, after doing a master's, went to Finland to do a PhD. And um, that was like a question mark in my head. But apparently, like I've heard people good say really good things about the education system in uh, Finland. One thing which I can definitely say say that I've enjoyed that they have um, a lot of practice compared to other unis. At least what I had experience in Glasgow, and uh, for instance, we didn't have exams. We was in Finland. You didn't have exams. We we just had weekly tests where basically we were passing through certain topic of subject like EMC validation. Uh, Fourier transforms or something like that and we basically go through some particular topic and then have very little test where you can use your computer to get source from you can speak with your colleagues because the most important thing that you'll be able to solve the question the problem which been described in your paper and uh, that's where I've really kind of it's slightly clicked my mind that, oh, why do I actually need to learn all these facts? I understand why it's important to know these facts because it creates the, uh, fundam- uh, create foundation. the f- foundation of your studying. But I believe if you've been listening well enough on the course, you can get this uh, foundation. I was one of the persons who've never missed the, any lecture. I was all the time being there. I don't know why. From high school, I wasn't really passing much of this uh, on lessons. And uh, I had the same... Uh, thing in in Finland, and uh, basically it was f- f- great enough for me to just listen l- listening lectures because a lot of lectures wasn't like academic teachers. There was like some of them was creating satellites, some of them was creating working for IBM, and they actually being people from industry, mm-hmm. and listening for them explain like oh. Uh, you don't really need to know for 100% precisely what resistor you need. You just randomly catch. If it doesn't work, change another one. It's no matter. You don't need to go through deep calculations. And actually, when I've heard that, I thought, like, it actually makes sense. And uh, through my life, I'm kind of doing that for my work. And I've never actually had a situation where, like, oh, I haven't calculated that very accurately. I will need to do that. Because if I will need to do to do that, I will need to do it for specific reasons. For instance, I will need to build very precise uh, amplifier, for instance. And then I will know that I need to spend time on calculation. Basically, What I can, what I want to say, find, to finalize that, they've learned me how to apply studies, and my university was called University of Applied Studies, of called? Applied Science. What was it called? Fully? Metropolitan University, Helsinki Metropolitan University of Applied Sciences, and uh, basically they've taught me how basically do engineering through kind of applying what the people from industry basically practiced at, and uh, that's basically one of the things which I've got from Finland and what I didn't get from. Uh, Scotland. Basically, when I've arrived in Scotland, I was great in cor- doing m- courses. Uh, I've made all my courseworks uh, earlier than they need to be done, all on the maximum marks. Exams fucked up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've got worst marks. I get really on the threshold of getting passed. So basically, you're saying that Finnish education was much closer to reality, um, and like for example, the ability to make quick quick decisions um like quick approximate decisions trumps um uh like a lot of uh, theoretical workings i believe that's the the most important thing that basically i believe one of the parts of education what education actually does it's uh, creating new network like communication between of your cells and the brains and i believe uh, for some people getting these networks connected were uh, well It's actually making something physically, and we had a lot of lectures which like, okay, let's discuss of how to design operational amplifier. We was discussing for two hours, then okay, let's go to the lab and 
literally after we had a lecture, we go to the lab, starting building them, starting to measuring. You place different uh, resistors, you see the different results, and you straight away start to realize, oh, actually, if I'm touching some resistors, it doesn't fucks me up. It doesn't shocks me. And you start to kind of realize it in different level that, oh, that's resistor. It's actually component with the two terminals. I can plug it into this thing. And it doesn't matter how, fo how deeply I've inserted because it's very little current needs to be passed. And you start to realize it's slightly on different level. That's very important. I think education is changing altogether. Like the the you know lecture uh, lecture practice exam sequence of I don't know the last century is just not it's not it's not going to work for a while. Uh, for uh, like there are special universities like in France. There's like forty two university that is is trying to change the way you like have lectures but for example even things like udemy and udacity like for me is a game changer complete game changer like i started doing them and i realized that i you know i paid what like twenty nine thousand pounds for a master's degree uh that didn't teach me how to use cad <laughs> and I, then i paid uh two months ago 15 pounds for a two two month course that taught me how to use cad like that that to me i realized uh oh this is this is something crazy. But I, I I'm really glad and really jealous on your again level of control of yourself. I I've bought also a couple of courses on Udemy. And, and they do. <laughs> 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 it just doesn't really. I believe it's a matter of actually uh, how much interest you actually in getting there. Because I I've bought little course of learning uh, how to do objective oriented programming of C++ on the microcontrollers. Uh, I, I've uh, understood basically what benefits it brings me. I've realized that it's not what I actually needed from this topic. Exactly. No, that's still and then I, And then I've decided, like, no, I don't need to, the, to do that. And <laughs> basically, I've paid someone to say, like, oh, please explain me how to do something. Oh, it's not useful. Oh, okay. Well, actually, it is useful because, I mean, if a degree has a course and then halfway through you realize, like, oh, this is this is garbage. Like, this is not what I want to do. That's how I started to learn electronics. Yeah. I've made it by mistake. Was I telling to you that story? No, you did. Uh, what, what course did you do again? I want. Uh, I've done the electronics engineering course, but I was originally planning to study for. Um programming and IT and uh, basically it's happened because I was uh, I was playing Dota 2 my mom was knocking my door saying like Sergey have you applied for uni I've told yeah yeah mom uh, and yeah I thought like guys uh, yeah let's have a five minutes break after the match I'll quickly make the fill the form I've started <laughs> to fill the form and I didn't have enough time and something crashed on the website I thought fuck I will do it quickly on the between of next match and uh, then basically I've started to fill it without really deep reading deep through that and one of the lines was like uh, select the studies you would like to do and the study i've selected i thought like it's just list but actually it was priority list and, uh, right, right. <laughs> and because first time i felt like it what second if i want what applied for it oh i'll go for electronics and other studies and other studies but second time when i was like oh what you should go scroll and i seen like oh e oh i remember i've selected this one i've selected and when i've actually started to like when I've actually received the application that, yeah, you've been applied for uni, I've told, oh, nice, but that's not what I want to study. And then I thought, like, ah, oh, not a big deal. I think I'll change it later on. But actually, when I've started to study that, I thought, like, ah, oh, it's actually quite interesting. And I've decided not to change my degree. So all, all geniuses, all genius inventions happen by mistake. So Maybe. Now or, or in Dota 2. <laughs> <laughs> Hundred percent facts. <laughs> all, all genius inventions happen between Dota two matches. <laughs> I, no, true, true, not. It's for me. It sounds very harmful. Uh, that basically they add so much stress, which currently now doesn't actually affects you in any way. It means like that's exams. It's not really good method of validating your level of knowledge on some subjects. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Exams are, exams are a relic of the past. I mean, uh, if you if you become really good at exams, it just means nothing. Like it, it doesn't mean that you don't do exams at work, right? Uh, like when you when you go to the industry, like you don't you don't do exams. Uh, when you ask, no one asks questions and expects you to answer them immediately. That just doesn't happen. 
that's basically one of the important questions it's like uh, i would say i i it might be wrong but i can assume that uh, on the very early, early stages of basically everyone's career after university being segmented uh, basically oh which field you will go to and basically it's because you've been good or bad in certain subjects and it means like there is still demand of like evaluating it somehow the question is how and the finish system i've 100% enjoyed that it was simple enough it was uh, straight enough i didn't have any problems with that and I, I I I basically I've heard a lot of story of people saying like fuck I I just wanted to finish university or I, I basically paid a lot of money and I don't know what I've actually learned from it. I didn't pay anything for for Finland. Finnish uh, university are free for European unions. Okay. And like something like three thousand for uh, not European Union. So quite cheap as well. I, I really advise anyone if you don't want know don't know where to go for studying Finland back back in 2014 first invent, invent time machine 2014 blam this is the XO any activity that you think about work kind of derails yep and I'm trying to get better at a work life balance um, but and I'm asking a lot of people about their like what 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 they do about that. So wh- where do you think you stand? You because you tend to work a lot and and you also um, you stay quite late. You um, work on weekends, like right? You have extra. You're a consultant. Yeah, I I I found uh, for myself. I found rule for myself, which uh, I've been also speaking a couple of times with a psychologist because uh, through the COVID, I, by some point, I thought like, "Ooh, I'm getting mad," and uh, basically, it made me understand. Uh, like, uh, my psychologist made me understand that uh, it's very important to find a hobby which you are enjoying doing. And I believe uh, one of the rules I've defined for myself that be simple enough for your hobbies. Don't really push them as hard. Just do it as good as you want to do them, because it's just—I feel—it's just a relief for your brains. It's actually also important thing, which I've been multiple times. I've heard from different people that uh, you sometimes you can really enjoy what you're doing when it's not really serious, and when you're adding the seriousness to these tasks. Uh, it's getting boring and that's where basically I cr- feel the level of comfort for myself of doing whatever I'm doing and uh, and one of them if I'll share it with more of the people I'll feel like I, it adds more stress to me and would like have to avoid it because I don't I don't want to do that okay so you um, you have to choose something that you can be freely bad at yes right Without, well, it's because also it's, because it's, because it's easier to get better in something you're. Uh, it, it, yeah, it's easy to get better in something you're already really bad. Right. You can develop yourself very slightly, then learn a lot of other topics of like how to rhyme, <laughs> uh, how to record something, and then basically based on these little things. It's basically it's educated your little skills, which you might never use them. However, you might end up in a couple of times you actually it was very useful for you. Do you feel like um, because I can already see some personalities, including my own, that you start trying to be like aggressively competitive at it, where you're like you have like you have to be the best, and then it just ruins the fun, right? Like that's exactly what you mean. But isn't that like personal like? Some people, uh, it's some people's personality to be like that. Like, do you think you have that personality? Where yes. You tend uh, to pick up things and then get frustrated because you're trying to be too good at them. Yes, cringe. That's enjoyment of the cringe of doing something. That you're doing something for the first time. They're like, oh, that's really bad. I shouldn't have doing this. And then when, after repeating that, you're like, it's, uh, it's actually Enjoying not that the bad. Cringe. But then, uh, and I believe it's a matter of kind of enjoying and time time stamping like your life kind of creating uh, little mistakes creating little memories and then have a nice references in the past like oh i've done that stupid thing 
it's mm. I felt quite beautiful like a little of beauty of uh, humanity like just be yourself whatever is it good or bad because we none of us perfect this is the XOR time by time I'm repeating the same analogy as uh, tattoos I I hate tattoos because uh, it's first I don't want to have a needle tattoos tattoos okay. passing basically through my skin I feel painful and I don't feel like I think my body is beautiful enough to add something else but I still need to create the same thing as I was saying before references to the past like what actually I was like five years ago what I was standing for five years ago and creating little uh, lyrics which will maybe they won't be truly showing me but that was me writing and expressing having some back things thoughts in my in my in my mind and so what's the tattoo analogy Anybody? basically uh it's great like when people making tattoo most of the people say oh, they're right, creating okay. reference like oh i've made it because we was a couple and now we're not couple or like oh i've been in this amazing trip and i've made the tattoo of the city where we end up this trip uh, and instead of that i think uh, creating videos music uh, any piece of art drawing uh, basically it's the way to express yourself to freeze your mind through the time hmm. time capsule oh, that's a very good way to put it it's like um you're basically creating memories out of the things that you're bad at right like uh, you, to, to, uh creating memories from the things where i'm bad at as a result i can make my real mistakes kind of emotional mistakes or uh, maybe not mistakes maybe i will be on other side because some of the things i'm done i'm really i'm pretty proud of them I, when i'm for instance want to jog i'm i'm listening to my music sometimes and uh, uh, and some of these things i'm really enjoying and uh, so it's all mixture N none of them are like i can say like let's put it on the radio don't do that <laughs> so basically you're saying getting out of your comfort zone is a way to freeze time right mm, if you think about no, it. no i would say di digitalize it digitalize it i need to think about that one that's, that's pretty good i i think i think as an engineer i kind of understand where you're going at that's free it's pretty profound to make or, it or maybe draw it and uh, put it on the wall but basically yeah I'm not saying that everyone should do that because if everyone will start to do that, maybe it's actually be cultural new parad par uh, paradigms, paradigm, par paradigm, par paradigm, paradigm, paradigm. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's paradigm, right? Yeah, right yeah, paradigm. Basically, it might be in the next uh, cultural paradigm that people will start to express more wider, and we want we'll get rid of the popular stars because we'll have a lot of local people with whom will be our own points of like mm, how to say Reference. points of attention right. this is the xor i have one funny story on my first job when i've uh, just moved to the to uk uh, i was working in design consultancy and i was the only one russian there basically everyone was british and i was like yeah but i'm my mother tongue is I'm just, I'm just my mo mother tongue is uh, russian and uh, basically it was the period of time when there was uh, uh, a lot of hacker attacks with malware which was encoding all your da data and uh, basically when i've moved uh, to the, the new company two weeks after i've joined uh, they had a case where all their servers been attacked and through the night it was fully encoded and all the data they were storing for like future projects for a current project that was encoded by Russian they website pay? and you know actually paying works right like they, they paying works like they, they've they decided not to pay they've decided to go to the Cambridge company which was decoded all this data they, they did yeah, yeah is that possible yeah, yeah. it took them uh, four days but that's not bad yeah that's not bad but it still was like <gasps> as soon as sergey left <laughs> all of our data got encoded <laughs> no as soon as i joined 
All right. I really just joined two weeks later. They all the servers been locked by Russian virus. Because <laughs> you go on Yandex. <laughs> but yeah, it's you uh, go mail.ru fucking download. Yeah, it was saying like yeah, go to some. Uh, uh, no, it was. I don't remember particularly, but it, they, it definitely had some Russian references, particularly, and uh, yeah, it was it was weird. I was for a bit worried, but the director of the company told, like, "No worries, we nothing won't to be, do with yeah, you. Yeah, we, we we won't blame you." And I felt like, oh, "Thank you, <laughs> and thank you for saying that." But it was definitely not me. <laughs> <laughs> Even if it was me, thank you. <laughs> and I was like, "Please, do you pay?" <laughs> there, oh, is yeah, yeah. One, there is my Bitcoin account. <laughs> <laughs> this is the XOR. Uh, you worked on actually some really cool projects. In the I past. don't think uh, where, which. <laughs> oh, the Gravity Light or yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah, I actually saw it. I mean, before knowing you, I, I saw the YouTube video that. Uh, you you can describe it like what it's it's a cool really cool project. Yeah, we, uh, we, uh, basically I've joined the company which was developing the um, uh, off grid lighting solutions for developing markets such as uh, Africa, mostly Africa, because basically according to statistics they have uh, basically a, a, around the world there is at least when I was developing it there was about 1.6 billion of people without. Uh, constant connection with the, to the grid and most of these families uh, are using kerosene lamps which is very bad especially for kids because they do study late and uh, kerosene first of all it's dangerous because it can fucking burn your shelter uh, and the second thing it's uh, it's not it's also harmful for yeah, your, toxic, your, fumes, yeah, right? toxic fumes and the uh, idea was to create device which will be the same price as uh, half a year of the kerosene. Uh, and basically, it was uh, when I've joined, it was already second generation of the product. First one was called Gravity Light. Basically, it's a bag of sand, which is attached with a kind of rope, which kind of is a gear rope. And you basically pull it up uh, with that rope. And uh, then it's very, very, very slowly falls down for like 20 or 30 minutes and it creates enough light as a kerosene lamp uh, and it has a cost of something like 15 dollars uh, when i've joined basically we had a push task further we had a requirement of uh, making it uh, more usable for uh, more areas for also people like who like hiking because when after they've created this pro product they thought oh that's very actually nice product as into in matter of like it's very environment friendly for people for tourists if they want to get light for instance in the woods and uh, we th thought like oh okay basically pulling a rope to bring back up it's uh, one kind of way of action. We basically it's transporting your energy of your body to the back, which then will slightly falling and create the light. So we've started to brainstorm like how and most what's the most efficient way of turning energy from your body to the battery or to some energy storage. Uh, we end up using battery, and uh, we end up using this kind of the same mechanism after a couple of studies like using legs, hands uh, uh, different movements we figure out that the original intention was the most optimal one and uh, then basically it was a challenge of creating getting to the bomb cost uh, of target cost to actually make it suitable for these developing markets and uh, yeah we supplied this to Red Cross uh, that was actually very stressful moment for me and one of the nicest moments that after quite a long period of time after i've uh, left the company i've asked like oh actually don't you know what's going on with these prototypes i've built because it was literally built by me on the in a in a workshop of me soldering resistors micro microcontrollers programming and that they've told yeah it's not 100 reliable but it's 100 works at the same time you basically can pull and create lights yeah software is not reliable because you can pull it sometimes too hard and then it will like, boom and it will show oh you have zero time but uh, i've also created some 
basically way to protect the battery. So when you overcharge it, it will say, oh, actually it's 100% now. And you might be actually to pull slightly more than like, oh, 100%. Also, I've created the mechanism of solar charging it with the solar panels and also giving them opportunity to kind of, kind of not spending their own energy, but getting the light. And uh, I was getting good feedback. So to this day, uh, well, gravity light, it's still... In now the light, it's called now light. Now light. Yeah, first generation was gravity, gravity light because it was a matter of storing the energy from the gravity. So, well, but it's still the same concept now, right? No, it's different because we're not using gravity. We are using uh, kinetic force of your basically body to basically to create energy the, through the gears to the generator to the motor then stored to the battery. And uh, it's called now, now light uh, because idea is that you're really, really getting energy in a second one second of all right so gravity light didn't have a battery yeah. right it was just battery was basically sand of back which was very very slow okay now you can charge the battery by okay yeah again. yeah and uh ideas of, of that it's now called now light and uh, it really gives you energy within a second basically one second of charging it gives you one minute of light so for instance i was even using a couple of times this product because i have prototypes and uh, it's really enjoyable when you like just need a bit of light. You just pull three times and you have three minutes of light and you do whatever you need quickly. Just leave the place and it will just shut down when energy stopped. So I, I personally like this product. Uh, it was kind of successful on the Kickstarter. We've raised $150,000. We've supplied them for Red Cross. Uh, I don't particularly happy with the level of uh, my expectations of how easy it's actually some to industrialize something. Uh, I'm not happy with that experience, but I believe because I didn't have much experience by that time, it basically was my very first job of creating product from the brainstorm of how it can look like then up to the tooling and starting production, defining the schematic and that kind of stuff. So it was nice experience, but also very stressful. And I understand now that I could have done better if I if I was me by then. But then I will charge them for much more money. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what happens. You learn how to do things quicker, but then you charge more, basically because of that. Yeah. This is the XOR. What about you? Ah, your first job is here. Yeah, my, my, <laughs> my first job. No, actually, I did an internship before that. Um, Where was it? It was at a place called the Founders Factory. It's um, it's a startup incubator, and they bought. It was a robotics internship because they 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 free. They're doing really well, and they bought. They spent a lot of money on this humanoid robot. It's called Pepper. Have you ever? No. It's like a very famous humanoid robot. It's like one meter fifty uh, on wheels. Yeah, they basically they bought it, and then they realized that it's the software. It's basically an API. Like it's not. It doesn't come. It doesn't do anything off the out of the box. So they were like, "Can you program it to um, like when people enter the office, it like greets them and so like so instead of because it's a startup incubator and like hun like they have hundreds of meet they they have like maybe thirty companies. Every company has like four meetings a day. It's like hundred twenty meetings a day. Like people come and go, and usually people don't know. You it's their first time, okay. right? And they're never coming here again. So they just want a robot to do a receptionist job. And it was it was the most fun I've ever had doing like working. It was Really? It was so much fun because first of all it's robotics and it's human robot interaction which I I've, man, I like it's my it's my thing of uh, interest. That that's actually that's interesting topic which I would like to discuss. Basically uh I've heard and i've read that some topics of people seeing uh robots and basically giving some ag aggression to them knocking with a kicking with legs or pushing them and uh, i believe it's very important to like basically we definitely will go to like sometime in the future when robots will be deeply integrated within like our culture and we need to kind of create the culture of us between the robots and i believe creating the kind of us feeling like oh it's uh it's just other piece of something mm. how kind of you how do you see that integration that's a that's a that's a great topic um so um on one on one side basically some people 
when they see like uh, uh, one of one of my colleagues he went to I believe it was Icra and he was in Canada a couple of years ago I believe and um, they he said that there was an audience and they showed a, a quadruped which is like a dog like robot and that it's being kicked <clears throat> and uh, at, uh, you you've seen like a million of those uh, Boston Dynamics videos where they kick the robot that one this one I think it ran out of battery or something or like the control the control messed up mm -hmm. and it started spasming like it just completely uh, thank you the the joints went everywhere and it just started like uh, spasming and then people were gasping they were like, oh, like turn it off turn it off yeah because you straight away have a feeling of, so, oh it's not okay yeah 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 there is real uh, feeling of attachment towards uh, not like if you can and, lie to your uh, like visual system if you see something it uh, looks about looks about uh, alive, looks about alive, uh, you immediately start treating it as a living thing. It, it doesn't take actually that much to trick your body into thinking that. So I've seen the study which was saying like actually showing, creating emotions for a robot to show like, oh, I didn't enjoy that. Like kind of great sad face when you knock a robot. Uh, it might help. This one, this Pepper robot was really good at that. I mean, it had... It had a lot of software could, systems. Could you push it and like... Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would say, oh, ah. Like, you know, okay. if you pushed it, it had it had so many sensors. I mean, it's by a French company and they they, they did a really good job. Like, I'll, I'll admit, before they bought, they were bought by... Um, like, after they got bought by SoftBank. And then I, I heard a lot Soft of people... Bank. SoftBank. SoftBank. <laughs> the big, killer. Big, big guys. <laughs> the, the killer of startups. Um, so they got bought by them and I heard that a lot of people left because they weren't satisfied. But before that, man, like their software is really good. And they have a system called Artificial Life, uh, where, which manages, for example, even when the robot stands, it, it's not rigid. It, like, it, it's mimicking as if it's breathing. It has like up and down motion of the chest. Um, there is like idle mode where it just like looks around. But I, I um, personally think that's, that's a wrong approach. I personally think that adding... Um Basically, it creates uh, high requirements on the humanoid robots, and I believe we should go slightly towards different direction. We should create uh, specific robots for doing specific tasks. For instance, uh, robots which cleans our houses now, like uh, SI robots or like how it's called, vacuum clean robots. Yeah, it's it's um, um, humanoid robots get a really bad reputation for basically. Uh, being very interesting field of research and looking very cool, but being very not practical, yeah, at all. Um, and it's been like that since the beginning. I mean, what, maybe sixty years of research. It's pr still it's nothing has changed. I've watched some videos from nineteen eighties where they discuss humanoid robots. It's the same issue as we have today. They don't accomplish anything. They're not task specific. Too you, expensive, too too big, too bulky, too everything. Wasn't you saying like one? And I believe that's one of the important thing that basically our body is good at its uh, muscles and level of control each muscle give and how basically we're controlling it. And for now, it's motors. It's complicated thing, and uh, to give high torque with a motor. Basically, what, no, I, I want to say actually different thing. I want to reference to one of the things I've seen you was sharing before. It was a kind of fiber sensor, like fiber things, which you kind of create, apply voltage across them and they yeah, shrinks. Yeah. Uh, that sounds like quite innovative technology. And uh, I believe it will change uh, the way how humanoids yeah. will look like. It's called uh, electroactive polymers. And they, yeah, they do change um, like physical properties. Mm -hmm. But actually, I don't think that's the case. Um, you don't believe that technology? Well, w technology comes and goes. It, it doesn't really say, like, you know, it doesn't solve fundamental issues. Like, you need to solve fundamental issues of why people need this. And if you do that, it's, 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 um, um, if you had just better motors, better vision like better compute more like gpu power it's not it doesn't solve it'll just calculate things faster but people still won't need it you know what i mean um, so that's where i'm I, i'm saying that i see better integration of the robots to humanity it's when we create a 
Perlock or task-specific robots, not like mm. humanoids, which will be multi-specific tasks. For instance, robots which does deliveries, like which are currently, uh, like you can see on uh, streets mm. of Tallinn or streets of Moscow or streets of uh, United States, which basically deliver goods. They look like little cars with a yeah. flag. You, they don't really look like an animal or anything. You don't feel that attraction, uh, attention, like attract, like connection with with that as a for with us with a animal also uh, the thing about uh, those delivery robots like I, although i did say that people tend to care towards um like anthropomorphic which like uh animal or human looking uh robots mm -hmm. they also tend to vandalize robots that basically because i don't know they some people have aggression towards non like things that are um, let's say in the uncanny valley, they they look kind of like they're moving, they're alive, but they don't really. So to them, it's um, it's like a pretender. Uh, so they get feelings of um, that they need to basically uh, like assault it, and they feel no repercussions towards it. Like a lot of people, like especially engineers, like they'll just they'll just put a hammer to a robot, they'll uh, they'll kick it. Um, a lot of pedestrians like tend to vandalize uh, drones and delivery robots, so we're, we're still not ready for like people don't. In the first stages that we are now, we're gonna see a lot of issues with that. Like people are gonna be unhappy with the. But the the internship that I was at, I mean, people loved it. Like people have, I think, innate desire to interact with robots. Like people want it. Like. Because it sounds like it was innovative, like startup hub. So there was a lot of people with uh, their own weird ideas. And yeah, they was yeah. kind of very uh, welcomed by other kind of e like odd stuff. It was cool. It was super cool. And uh, at the end, I, I didn't spend much time there. I was only there for six weeks, or like maybe a month and a six half. Six weeks doesn't count like a job. Yeah, no, it was, it was an internship, uh, and it was just enough time for me to start working at Arrival. So, um, basically, I programmed as well as I could, but it was very interesting, and uh, I really liked seeing like edge cases. Let's say that you take for granted, for example, like if I'm talking to you and make eye contact, I don't always keep like full eye contact. Sometimes I break it, you know. Sometimes I look away. Um, if you were to approach me as a receptionist, like when do I say, when do I say, uh, hi, can I help you? Like that, just, just knowing when to say that at the right time, um, at the right volume, like when, like, is it, is it it's, when I first, if you, when you approach me or is it when you approach me and look me in the eyes? I can see that like for hundred percent, like there is a, there is, needs to be a study at, and people actually won't really pay much attention when function will start work really well. Because they will think like, oh, yeah, yeah, it, it just works. So we it just it works. Granted, yeah, for sure. We take it for granted. It took for long <laughs> for a long period of time when I've just joined that product design consultancy where I was working. Uh, I didn't really wasn't aware that injection molding is the process. I just thought like plastic pieces just <laughs> <laughs> just come from somewhere <laughs> from the god of plastic. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well. Complexity is another thing. People don't understand just how difficult it is to build a robot or build anything or do anything. It's uh, um, this naive approach. It, it does help sometimes, right? Like when you first start working, you're like your naive approach actually helps to be innovative. But as soon as you're like, oh, I'm gonna, a lot of people start like, let's say you graduate universities. Oh, I'm gonna have a startup. We're gonna build these amazing pieces of products and ship it and sell it. It's very difficult. Like good, good luck. That's what we I hundred percent never had in my uni. Everyone just thought like, oh, we'll just be studying, working in Finnish companies like Kona, which does like elevators for half of the, of the world, or ABB, which does automation tools for uh, industrial companies. And uh, we didn't have hundred percent any of this spirit. Like, oh, I'll create a startup. Really, you didn't have um, so in. In Finland, in Eastern Europe, you didn't have um, a culture of the startup culture, basically. Uh, like um, I, I, in my uni, I, I didn't have. Right? I, in my uni, I didn't have that. And and in Scotland, you did, or no? In Scotland, I would say I was shocked how I I've, when I moved to Scotland, I had a feeling like I'm stepping back. 
really yeah because like things which i was taught there i i, I like i i know already fundamentals fund, fund, foundations for that but i was just like needed to do it from slightly different perspective and now i need to remember this because i will be doing by end of this year exam and uh, Courseworks was super easy and like all all this thing that's which made made me feel like I enjoyed Finnish education again if we're coming to this back to this discussion that yeah I had a feeling like Finnish education was step further because it was kind of easy fast going compared to slowly step by step in English in Glasgow University London London is different though maybe it is because I I both universities I went to were in London um it was um It's like a startup pub, maybe, and everyone wanted it. Everyone, it was very entrepreneur centric, but it was a lot of also. I think maybe smart guys from Imperial just think they're smarter than everyone, and they're like they they think that as soon as they graduate, they're just gonna I don't know fuck the world. And my uni was not even in the top of five hundred five thousand univers universities of the world. What the the was not, one. yeah it wasn't in the list <laughs> well look at you now, you and know, now what you I, what, that's smiling. what i want to say like it's uh d- does it makes that does it is it important no the same as like marks and exams is it important the important is that uh personality is how old. how you present yourself that's i believe that's important i think character and personality go way further than anything like uh, You 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 can be a Oxbridge graduate. With uh, uh, that that's where maybe even uh, exams and tasks actually is bad because then, for instance, I I can easily imagine these scenarios. I don't have examples of that. Uh, no, I I don't want. What are you trying to say? Uh, I'm trying to say that per people who used to get good marks on all the exams will have super high. Uh, expectations of the work and super high confidence on that they can do whatever yeah they will yeah, exactly. see and uh, it might not be true <laughs> yeah as soon as you come out in the real world you you realize it's it's very difficult it's actually to to make things happen um hands-on hands-on people tend to um have an easier time adjusting to the realities of life after university This is the XOR. I'd like you to to talk more about um, your general lifestyle as uh, electronics engineer. Like, what what do you think? Like day day to day activity, you basically do what? Like, you design PCBs. Um, you do R and D. That's one of the funnest things. Like most of the like <laughs> as electronics engineer, most of the time I don't do electronics engineering. Really, <laughs> uh, I d- I do task plans. I do uh, uh, I do uh, analysis of the bill of material costs. Uh, I do analysis of how we can utilize this product. I do software requirements. Uh, I do preparation of documents for uh, industrialization. I do all weird shit, but five percent or ten percent of that it's designing PCBs. Uh, it's a lot of time of actually being on a meetings and talking. Like, oh, That's are we all right way. to uh, apply this change? Like, yeah, please tell me. Yes, I'm I'm fine with that. And uh, it's yeah, it's definitely not designing PCB for the for the eight like hour like. Eight hours a day, and I would say I won't really enjoy that, and uh, that's because I be- I believe the pipeline of I I'm basically I would say, I, and that's where basically I'm I have feeling like I've been really I had a luxury of working in my first place of work because I was kind of full stack engineer I was developing the concept I was developing the first iteration of PCB I was doing early validation of that I was developing the software I was assembling them uh, I was redesigning PCB and was basically the one man in mm. whole electrical team and then basically where I understood like whole spectrum of the task you need to do and uh, you also said I mean before that you wanted to do a, a degree in chemistry Yes, I didn't. Don't want now. <laughs> <laughs> well, explain your thought process behind that, because in the beginning I was like, "Oh, you're an idiot! Like, why would you?" 
Uh, it, it, like, yeah, basically, I, I, I've been studying electronics engineer and I've fucking been amazing in that. And I think if I will just start new topics like chemistry, I can be fucking great in there again. And, uh, and uh, I just thought like, I, I don't really know. I'm not really sure that I would like to spend more of my life on learning and going deeper and understanding electronics like, oh, how you can actually manufacture MOSFET or crystal which sits inside of the chip or how you can create high-frequency transceivers and receivers. Uh, but I thought like, I, but I definitely have a huge gap of knowledge how chemistry process is happening mm. and i just thought like if i'll fill that gap of knowledges then i will they these basically two different studies will definitely merge somewhere and it creates new potential skill sets new potential like applications where i can be very useful for instance manufacturing processes uh, or uh, mostly manufacturing processes but that Me I, I, measuring when you said it i didn't really see the connection between chemistry and electronics i i mean obviously i knew that you know you have to you know computers are made in a factory right in a chemical factory if anything um but then i thought i was like oh that's very fundamental that's very cool but you don't want to do that anymore. Uh, I've I've bought a book. I've started to read it through. I've uh, realized that uh, no, I'm not saying that I, I'm not fully committed now. I I basically start to read, and I I've uh, found that it's 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 a bit boring, uh, and I don't feel that I will really enjoy studying that in here, uh, and uh, because basically I'm signing contract of living here next 25 years at least oh yeah uh, you're yeah. buying a house yeah you? so basically i don't have a chance of going to finland for instance to do this study mm -hmm. and starting here paying tons of money to get a paper and not sure what i particularly will get so basically i'm not sure what's the particular method of getting that knowledge i started to read the book i'm not fully happy with that you to me Udemy, Udemy, Udemy might be the direction. Yeah, you're right, but uh, Learn I'm, I'm not that committed as I was originally. I've, star I, I've started. I'm. That's where I'm very good at. Start fast and stop quickly. <laughs> yeah, that, I think that's with everyone. Um, okay, I think I think it's been a good one. I think. Did you enjoy it? How was your experience? I really like turning my head towards the camera. Yeah, I think you're quite natural at breaking the fourth wall. <laughs> because. Uh, it's not first time when I'm acting on a camera and yeah, like a long time ago when I was back from in Finland, uh, my friend was studying and filming in Latvia and we also like been directing a little film, which is that's where basically I would say I really enjoy doing something which I'm not very well at because you straight away can kind of create your own guesses and break them. Like understand, mm. oh, I think that's a cool idea. Then you see that how you realize you actually release that and that's like ah oh, that wasn't very good and it's very quickly by kind of getting in the black room with knowing anything just going to some direction create a some uh, some guessing and failing it's gives you very quickly